Awesome. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Y'all ready this morning? Waymaker. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Aren't y'all grateful for our praise and worship team? And I don't just say that because I'm on it. <laughs> no, really, they are awesome. So many uh, different areas in the church and people uh, just using their gifts for the Lord. And there's, it's so awesome to see people grow up and uh, go to the mission field. It can't always be the mission field. Amen. There's a point of maturity where we, where we uh, grow in our faith and we begin to reach and not just be reached. Hallelujah. Yeah, there you go. God is so good. We've been in Psalms all summer long. And uh, so I'm excited to uh, continue this series. And, and we've just been going through the book of Psalms. And just as God's led, Pastor and I, we've just been speaking on, on uh, different Psalms that have spoken to our heart. And today I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to just preach a little bit about Psalm 91. Anybody ever read Psalm 91 in here? Psalm 90, anybody, seriously, anybody read Psalm 91? Incredible Psalm, one of my favorites. So I just want to read it before we start. Can y'all handle 16 verses? Are you sure? All right. We, yeah. <laughs> we, need, we may need an usher over here. Psalm 91, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Got some alliteration working there, I like that. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings shall you take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Say amen. Amen. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Say amen. Amen. What an awesome psalm. It's one of my favorite psalms because uh, it was one of my grandfather's favorite psalms, my my dad's dad. And I had the privilege of... uh, my grandfather passed away right after I was born again, and, and I had the privilege of reading Psalm 91 at his uh, funeral, and it really meant a, a lot to me, and, and so it was just, it was really special. My grandfather was his favorite song because he was in the Korean War um, many moons ago. That was a lot of years ago. And, and I could remember as a kid, 
he would, he would read that psalm and he would talk about how he would, he would pray that prayer of protection over his life because he was in the midst of total and complete chaos. And you know, as a, as a, as a little boy uh, talking to my grandfather, all I wanted to know was, did you kill anybody? <laughs> right? <laughs> did you ever kill anybody? You ever shoot anybody? But the, the difficulty that he went through was so serious. I, I'll never forget it. My sister probably remember this too. Uh, we would ask him to tell us stories about being in the war and he would begin to tell us stories and then all of a sudden he would, he would completely break down to where my grandmother would have to come get us out of the room. And this is probably some 50 years after he had been in these situations and, and, and she would come and get us out of the room and he would, he would you know, gather himself and and, but, but the battle was so intense that he was in that it still, it still wrecked him 50 years later. That's an intense battle. Anybody ever been in a battle like that before? Not necessarily physically or in, a, in, a, in an actual war, but what about the war in your home? What about the battle with your children? What about the different issues and battles that we go through in life, the title of this sermon is called Choosing Victory. And then the subtitle would be, I'm not a victim. Go ahead and say that. I am not a victim. Let's say that again because we need to get that in the atmosphere. I am not a victim. I'm not a victim. We get a chance to choose victory. Most people see Psalm 91 and, and, and they use it as a, as a psalm of protection. They pray it as a psalm of protection. And it is that. But I think that it's more than just a psalm of protection because if you look at the psalm, I've always only seen one character. And that's the man that chooses. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So I've always seen this guy, right? This guy who chooses to trust God. It says, my God in whom I trust, in whom I take refuge. So I've always seen this guy, but as I was reading the psalm and studying the psalm, it was like God opened my eyes to this whole battlefield because he wasn't the only character in Psalm 91, was he? Because the scripture says a thousand fell at his side, 10,000 at his right hand. And I don't think we serve the kind of God that picks and chooses special people to enjoy his protection and his rest. I think that everybody that day on that battlefield had a choice to make. They could be a victim to the circumstances, to the chaos, to the hell that surrounded them, or they could choose to trust God and take refuge in their Savior. So, so I, as, we, as we flesh out that story today, as, you, as we find ourselves in Psalm 91, because how many know that's, that's what the, the Bible is for, right? If you can't find your, yourself on the pages of this book, then you're reading it for the wrong reason, Amen. I don't read this because I understand it. I read this because it understands me. See, I, I, I don't get lost in this. I'm found in this. 
this is my true identity. And I've got, I've, got to get, I, I've got to be able to get in this long enough to remove what I thought I was so I can find out who I really am. It's so important. But as we look at the different roles, we've got one guy on the battlefield in the midst of the chaos that chooses to trust God. And we've got thousands that don't. And they become victim to the craziness that is surrounding them. Y'all, this, this is a crazy scene that's painted in Psalm 91. It's complete chaos. There's arrows. There's wolves. There's people setting traps. There's, there's lions and snakes and cobras. And you want all those pestilence and, and uh, adders and all the different stuff. You read it in the Message Bible, it just says what it is, right? It's a snake, man. It's a lion, man. See, Psalm 91, what I just read was a picture of the last conversation you had with your spouse. It's the last phone call you got from your kid. It's the way you felt the last time you drove away from work. You don't have to amen. It's okay. So as, 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 we, as we find ourselves in Psalm 91, what role are we playing? Are we playing the victim or are we choosing victory by trusting God? Where do you find yourself in that story? Psalm 91 in a sentence would read like this, trust God or be a victim, but you can't do both. Trust God or be a victim, but you can't do both. Which one are you? We have to choose our role in this story. One of my favorite quotes that I've heard uh, recently is from uh, Bishop Tony Miller. Such a powerful quote, and this will be the last time that I give him credit. Next time I'm just going to say it. He said this, you weren't born a winner, and you weren't born a loser. You were born a chooser. You weren't born a winner. You weren't born a loser. You were born a chooser. Every single one of us lays on the battlefield of life. And it looks different for all of us. And we have a choice to make. Do we lay victim to the insanity that surrounds us for the the wrongs that have been done to us? Or do we choose to abide under the shadow of the Almighty? Do I take refuge in my own protection or do I allow the protection of God to come into my life? That's tough, isn't it? That's tough. A victim is someone who has had an offense committed against them, a real offense. I don't want to downplay what's happened in our lives because it's real. Can I tell you something? That battlefield in Psalm 91 was real. The cobras were real. The dude setting traps for him was real. The lions were real. The arrows were real. But it did not change the fact that that person had a choice to lay victim on the battlefield of life or trust God like they never had before. It just sounds so easy, doesn't it? We'll just trust God. But it takes everything that God has put on the inside of us to choose him 
to be our protector over trying to be the protector of ourselves. It's someone who's had an offense committed against them. Someone who at some point was at a disadvantage. Doesn't this sound like a, does this sound like a fair fight in Psalm 91? Doesn't sound like a fair fight to me. Snakes, lions, traps, arrows flying, terror in the night. Doesn't sound like a fair fight to me. It sounds like the deck has been stacked against somebody. And that's what happens when someone becomes a victim. Someone who at some point was at a disadvantage. They believe that the deck is truly stacked against them. And can I tell you something? The deck really is stacked against them. The deck is stacked against you in this life. Right? I mean, nothing used to make me more angry than I would tell my parents, well, that's not fair. And they would say, well, life ain't fair. Tell you what, tell that to me again. And I'm not going to do nothing about it, but I'm going to be mad. I never did buck up to my dad. That was my other brothers. The mistake. But you know, they say, well, life isn't fair. Come on. Do you walk around living your life believing that the deck is stacked against you? It's not a fair fight. You say, well, really, it's not. Okay, we're going to keep talking. Is that okay? A victim mentality. See, we're not, today, we're not going to deny the fact that there's chaos going on in your life and that there's people that have, that have offended you and done you wrong and didn't protect you when they should have protected you. People that weren't there for you that should have been there for you. We're not going to deny any of that stuff. But we're also not going to glorify it. Because if you choose to lay on the battlefield of life apart from God, then you develop a mentality of a victim. You develop the attitude of a victim. And a victim mentality is someone who uses the disadvantage, get this, to their advantage. You see, I don't know how to deal with the arrows. I don't know how to deal with the lions. I don't know how to deal with the snakes in my life. I don't know how to deal with the injustice that surrounds me. So what a victim does, is sneaky, you got to watch out, is they'll take their disadvantage and they'll flip it and use it to their advantage. Oh my gosh, we're going to get this. They'll flip it And use it to their advantage. So I can't get what I want. I can't get my needs met. I can't can't manipulate the situation any other way than taking my disadvantage and flipping it and using it to my advantage. That's really good preaching. A victim is somebody who actually learns to find comfort in their pain. Come on, listen to this. A life without traps... Wolves, arrows, lions, and snakes and defeat is actually something that terrifies them. Now, they'll tell you that they want victory. But take away the things that 
are supposed to be hurting them have actually begun to bring comfort to them. And when you threaten to take it away, it actually terrifies them. It's the mentality. You're stuck on the battlefield of life and you had to figure out a way to protect yourself. And so you do just that. The only thing you have is a disadvantage. So we'll flip it and use it to our advantage. You say, how do you know this happens? Because I've done it. And my guess would be there's a whole lot of people in here, probably not one that has it. They don't even know what to do if someone threatens to take the disadvantage. Why? Because they played the victim for so long they don't know any other role. We get stuck in our role as a victim. Don't take my arrow because it's... It's a cool arrow, isn't it? This is from Papua New Guinea. They, they, when I got there, they gave me this arrow. And I thought that was really cool. It's got these barbs in it. And, and, and these, these are people that are wearing like grass skirts. And they're painted in their warrior paint and stuff. And when you come, they give you these arrows as a, as a, as a sign to, to say that you have come in peace. And as... Because they, they're, they're, it's a sign of trust. You come in peace, so I trust you. It's, it's, it's basically them telling you, you can come in and we trust you. We, it's them saying, we won't kill you. So when I got the arrow, I was happy. <laughs> I got the, they weren't going to kill me. And so they gave me this arrow. But, but you know, when, when you go to a victim and you say, hey, I want to get you off this battlefield of insanity. I, I, I want to try to help you. We're, we're going to begin to trust God. It, it terrifies the victim because they say, you, you can't take my arrow because this is, this is actually, this is how I get my bills paid, man. You see, they've taken a disadvantage in their life and we're not going to deny it. We're not going to belittle it because it hurt, it was painful, it was wrong. And they take the disadvantage and they flip it and they use it to their advantage. Dude, you're going to take my arrow? This is how I get my needs met. This is how I get my light bill paid. This is how I got to ride to church. <laughs> got people coming to the church all the time. And, and, and they, they want help. And so what we try to do. Because, because we love people and we're working for eternity, not just the situation at hand, is we say, let us help you with your arrow. And they say, I've got no interest in you removing my arrow. I'm not interested in my pain being healed. I just need my bills paid. Got married people come in all the time. They're not interested in having a thriving, great, godly marriage. They just need to get to next week. So when you try to take their arrow from them, they said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I wasn't asking you to get my arrow from me. You can get his arrow. (laughs) But don't take my arrow. I'm talking about being a victim today. Listen, I was was talking to a a couple a, a, a while back. And, and had them in the room. And, and there's nothing better than getting a, a married couple in a room that don't like each other. It's like a pit bull fight. I mean, it's 
the mud, the blood, and the beer, it is vicious, right? It's vicious. And, and it's funny, I, I was in this meeting, and, and, and this woman, she said, he did this, and this, and this, and this. Oh, and it hurt. And I looked at him and I said, well, did you do that, 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 and that? He said, I did do that. He said, I'm really sorry I did it. I shouldn't have done it. I was, I was wrong. What they were talking about had happened four years before. And I looked at her and I said, well, have you forgiven him? It was a loaded question. I knew she hadn't. I said, have you forgiven him? And I, I, with all of my heart, I will not exaggerate. She looks at me like I was the dumbest person on the face of the earth. I said, have you forgiven him? And she looked at me and went, no. No, I have not forgiven him. Why? Why? Because she was saying, what are you talking about? Forgive him? That means I would have to give up my arrow. And if I gave up my arrow, then I would lose everything that I have to get what I want in my marriage. I would lose my foothold. I would lose, I would lose my stability. This is, this is how I get my husband to do what I want. You're trying to take the only leverage I have, fool. I tell you, this woman, forgive him. Are you kidding me? This is all I've got. Listen to me, every time he makes me angry, I can sling it back at him. I'm the victim here. Don't you forget it. Take my arrow, man. This is all I got. This is how I get my needs met. Man, we all got arrows of insecurity. Right? Preach to the men for a second. Don't take my arrow. Listen to me. How do you know? Because I've done it. The biggest way to manipulate your wife is to get her to feel sorry for you. Amen. <laughs> PK, you messed with my arrows today. I ain't have no friends after this sermon. But I didn't come to make friends. See, I got this from Jesus a while back because I really struggled with, I was a victim. I don't have any friends. Nobody. Jesus said, I didn't, you didn't come to make friends. You came to make disciples. That's what I, that's, that's, that's where I am. Mm. I don't really need another good sermon. Neither do you. We need to hear the voice of God. We need to hear the, the we, we need to smell the breath of God in our lives. That's what we need. The sermons are good. I'm like, why? I'm preaching one now and I want you to listen. We're not going to go to lunch early today. We need to hear the voice of God. And he's speaking. Don't take my arrows. Listen, we live in a victim society. Listen, don't take my arrows. This is, this is how I get my bills paid. This is how I get people to love me. This is how I get my kids to come at Christmas. Hmm. <laughs> It's how I get my attention. 
It's how I get my needs met. This is how I get what I want. I've turned my disadvantage into an advantage. Your flesh is nasty, y'all. It's nasty. We live in a victim society. Right? We got, we got victim politics. Republicans still blaming Obama. It's Obama's fault, man. Hillary didn't even get elected, but somehow Republicans are still a victim to her. She nobody. Still a victim. Democrat, don't even talk to a Democrat. My God, they can't even wake up in the morning and eat a bowl of cereal because Trump's still president. <laughs> right? Victim politics. We got racial victim mentality running all over the place in our society. The black man says, the white man just keeping me down. Just holding me down. You got the crazy white people. Now, now listen to me. Was, was, was what happened to, 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 to black people unbelievably awful, heinous, sick and disgusting? Yes. But how long do you have to stay there and use your disadvantage to your advantage? So then white people flipped on the black people. Because now all of a sudden, because of their disadvantage, you got white people. When you talk to a white guy, I talked to somebody a while back. He said, man, I would have got a job, but they had to, they had to hire like a certain percentage of African-Americans. So now you got the white dude becoming a victim to the black dude because the black dude got the job because he was black, but the white guy didn't get the job because the black dude got the job because he was black. That's how crazy white people are. How do you know? Because I is one. (laughs) And let me tell you something. Mexicans caught on to this. They're like, whoa, whoa. These people having all the fun. They're getting what they want, man. We're going to get on this train, the victim train. Right? Racial victim mentality. You say, you say, Pastor Kobe, you better be careful because you're, you're treading on thin ice here. Amen. No, I'm not treading on ice. I'm treading on the word of God. Okay. You might still be living on ice, but I'm standing on the word of God. Amen. And I'm not denying the reality of your situation, but I'm, I'm here to tell you today that God did not call you to live by reality. He did not call you to live by facts. He called you to live by faith in him. So on the battlefield of this life, whenever the arrows are flying and the snakes are biting and the lions are pouncing, you've got a choice. Do I become a victim to the reality of my circumstances or do I go by faith to a good God and abide under the shadow of the Almighty and say, I don't care what's going on around me. I place my trust in a good God. In a good God. Everyone wants to be a victim. It's like a race. It's like a race. The, we're charging forth to see who can be the biggest victim. And the president even plays it. Who does he blame everything on? The fake news. <laughs> you say, is it true? Do they lie? Yes. Yeah. We're not called to be victims. 
We're not called to live by the reality of our circumstances. We're called to live by faith. We're called to place our trust in a living God. That's what we're called to do. It's a race to be a victim. It's how I get what I want. If I take advantage of my disadvantage to try to get my way, I've made myself a victim to my circumstances. We have victim families, victim relationships, victim finances. You talk to people all the time. (laughs) I can't get ahead, brother. Just doing the best I can. You know, if I got the job, they won't give me a raise. Whatever it is, we become victims to our circumstances. Can I say something? Victims deal in excuses. That's what they deal in. They deal in excuses, but believers deal in promises. Everybody has a story, a tale, a reason to fail. And everybody also has the ability to choose to go to the Father to get what they need. Every single one of us. Do I trust God in his protection? And what I'm saying is so radical right now, even though it doesn't sound like it. And, and it's so right. Do I trust God in his protection? Or do I do what I've always done and protect myself and use my disadvantage to my advantage? Family victim. You got kids that have been victimized by their parents. Then they grow up and the parents are victimized by their children. You could become a victim to anything. I found myself becoming a victim to not being a victim. It's a true story. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I'll never forget being in this room and we were having a pity meeting. I'm sorry, a prayer meeting. And that was, that was good. Uh, we're having a prayer meeting and, and uh, everybody was sad that I was going to die. It was just going to be so terrible. Rachel was going to have to raise the kids. And it was just going to be awful. And, and I, I sat there and I decided, you know what? I'm not going to be a victim to cancer. But I'm going to choose to abide under the shadow of the Almighty and trust God. And that's what we did. That's what I did. And, and <clears throat> I chose to trust God. And then a few years later, I found myself getting a little bit bitter. Because at the time, I chose to trust God. And, and, and we didn't ask anybody for any money. And, and we didn't, ask, we didn't uh, take up an offering at the church. And, and, and I was cool with it at the time. But a few years later, I thought, you know, they probably should have taken up an offering for me. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm being serious. I'll just tell you my heart. And I, and, I, and I began to become a victim to not being a victim, if that's crazy enough for you. Why? Because it's, your flesh will always make it seem like it's better, quicker, and easier to meet your own needs than to trust God to supply your needs. So what are we going to choose? How are we going to play this? What role are we on the battlefield of life. 
You may have a book of excuses, but he's given us a book of promises. We have to choose which book we're going to live out of. A couple of things about victims, and I won't get through all of it today. But just just keep to continue in this vein. And Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? Have we, have we talked about, uh, you know, it's just so, just, just think, think about your life. And, and, then, and, then, and then we pass on the, the victim mentality to our children, right? My kids come to me all the time because they're homeschooled, poor little homeschooled kids, right? I right, make sure. Is this a, poor little, and they'll come up to me and they'll say, it's just tough and making friends and doing this and doing that. And in and, 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 and my flesh, I want to go, oh. But I told you, I told you, uh, maybe I told you this morning, if you're lucky in life, if you're lucky, the only person who's going to feel sorry for you is your mama. Now, most of y'all didn't even have that kind of luck. Is it the truth? Is that going to get us anywhere? Come on, somebody comes up to you and says, somebody did your kid wrong. What do you do? Is your kid the victim? Or do we sit our kids down and talk about how, yes, there are injustices in this world. There's crazy people. The devil is running loose and rampant, and we have a choice. Are we going to trust God to meet our needs? Or are we going to run and try to get them met ourselves? It's tough. That's tough. First thing I want to talk about victims is, number one, victims hide behind helplessness. Remember, where are we supposed to be hiding? Under the shadow of the Almighty. And I like what Howard said whenever he was was doing it before worship because he's so right. I'm not talking about hiding out today and trying to miss out on what's going on in the world. I'm talking about trusting in a God abiding under the shadow of the Almighty and that is going to propel us into what God has for us. Victims hide behind helplessness. The cry of the victim is this, I can't help it. Can't help it. You don't understand, brother. You understand the way I was raised. You you don't understand the way my husband treats me. You don't understand the level of disrespect from my children. You don't understand how underappreciated I am. This depression, I am helpless to it because of what's going on in my life. Victim. And look, can, can I tell you something? I know I'm four feet higher than you on this platform, but I am not preaching down to you today. I love you today. And God has spoken this word to me because I've got some choices to make in my own life. I've got choices to make in my own marriage. Come on, I'm tired of being on the race to the bottom. Right? I'm tired of being on the race to see. We're like in a competition to see who can go the lowest. And victims hide behind helplessness, but children of God, sons and daughters of God, hide and trust under the shadow of the Almighty. God is my source. God is my supply. The cry of the victim, I can't help it. The story in John chapter 5, verse 1, 
through 9, I'm going to read. It's a good story. It's about the man who, the paralyzed man who was at the pool of Bethesda. It says, Sometimes later, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem to one of the Jewish festivals. Now there was in Jerusalem, there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered porches. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. It's a long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him a question. Do you want to get well? And I think that's the question he's asking all of us today. Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. (laughs) Man, Jesus says, do you want to get well? God, God, do you want to get well? And what he said was, yes, but. Yes, but you don't understand. There's no one to help me. No one to help me. Yes, I want to get well. But there's no one to help me. And every single time it seems like I'm about to make it, every single time it seems like it's about to be my turn. Oh, the, the victim in this is so crazy. Somebody is always ahead of me. You see, because the victim waits in the lines of the world. The world has lines, and we're all waiting for our turn. In my healing, it'll come one day. My marriage will be what it's supposed to be one day. Just when it seems like I'm, man, there's no one to help me out. I'm helpless in this situation. I can't help the way I feel. I can't help, I can't help my attitudes. I can't help it that, that, I'm, that, I, that I can't find work. I can't, I can't help it. And every time I try to help it, somebody is always in front of me. We went fishing these past few days, and, and uh, I was with Daryl, and Daryl's got a big boat, big old boat, big old boat. The Donzi, beautiful, nice boat. Caught a ton of fish. Hurt my thumb. <laughs> We're cruising out in Daryl's big boat. It's, it's huge. It's like 30-something feet. It's a big old, two motors, two motors on the back. You don't need one. That's a big boat. If you need more than one motor, you got a big boat. And I'm like, I get on this boat, and I'm just like, man, there's like, eight or nine guys on the boat, plenty of room for everybody. And I'm like, man, it's a big boat. And we go cruising out, and we're cruising down this little channel, and I looked over, and there was a bigger boat. <laughs> the boat was so big, it made the boat seem like that I was in, like we were in a little flat-bottom river boat. It was huge. It had four motors. 
Just every single time, just when we think we've arrived, just when we think we're at the front of the line, just when we think it's our turn, we look up and somebody's got something bigger and better. Somebody slips in in front of us and it's just not fair. Because that's where the victim lives. The victim lives in the world of fair, but the child of God lives in the realm of favor. Amen? See, I'm looking for the favor of God. I don't want to preach too far down in my message. Every time I get somebody, see, we got to be careful. We got to be careful that we're not putting people in the world's lines of fair. When we're waiting to get what we want, we got to be careful that we're standing in the right line because I love what Jesus does here. Because to me, if I was Jesus, I would have been like, dude, I just asked you if you wanted to get well and all you had was a book of excuses on why you can't get well. But you're talking to God. Man, I'm going to go to the next guy. That's what would have happened if I was God. Right? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I I mean, I did. We had had three open spots for camp a while back. Three open spots. We had three open spots, and and, and we were trying to give camp spots away. And the kids were like, nah, I'm good. I'm all right. Got something to do that weekend. And I was like, what? Man, I'm trying to give you something, fool. This is free, man. Nah, I'm good. Fine, I'm going on to the next kid. Right, I'm mad, offended. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't punk this guy out. Look at what Jesus does. He doesn't even listen to what he's saying. The guy says, there's always someone else that goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up. (laughs) Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Look at somebody say, I'm not helpless. Jesus said, what was Jesus telling this guy? This guy's saying, I'm sitting there waiting in line for my time to come. I'm sitting there waiting for the situation to be right. I'm sitting there waiting for things to finally be fair. I'm sitting there waiting for the injustice to go away. I'm sitting there waiting for someone who's stronger than me to come and pick me up and help me out. And Jesus said, let me tell you what lines I wait in. Why don't you forget about the stupid pool that can only help out one at a time? And why don't you come and hide under the, under the shadow of the Almighty? One chose to go under his shadow, but there was room for the whole world. God's not waiting in your lines of fair. God doesn't care what color you are. God doesn't care what gender you are. God doesn't care if you were molested. God doesn't care what injustice was done to you. God doesn't care what time you've served in the penitentiary. God doesn't care what your education looks like. God doesn't care. He doesn't wait in those lines. He's God. That's why every time I sing the song, I don't deserve it. And I couldn't earn it. But you did it anyways. I was praying before I started to preach. I was praying to God. See, we need to smell his breath. I was praying to God. I said, God, I just want to please you. I'm talking about my sermon. 
talking about my sermon. God, I just want to please you with this word. And he spoke to me and he said, Colby, you already have. An invalid, never done nothing for God, didn't deserve it and didn't earn it. And God loved him. And God gave him the opportunity, the choice. If you'll pick your mat up, you can walk again. If you'll trust my word over the, other people, over the words of the world, you can pick your mat up and walk again. If you'll trust me, I can take you places that, 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 that the line can't take you to. I can bring you before people that you don't deserve to be before. I can do in your life what you can't ever do in your life. I can do in your marriage what you can't do in your marriage. You don't have to race to the bottom. You can trust me and I'll take you to the... Thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. If God be for me, then who in hell can be against me? Tired of waiting in the lines of this world. Tired of being held down by my situation and circumstance. I'm tired of, 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 of declaring my helplessness when I serve a living God, a mighty God, who's able, well able to reach down into the mud, the blood, and the beer of my life, Johnny Cash, and draw me out of the miry clay and put me on a rock that I wasn't ever, des- should have never deserved to be put on. Y'all don't know who you're talking to today. I was not the smartest. My wife tells me I'm the best looking, but she's the only one. Man, if I could just go get that degree. Can I tell you something? You better ask God if he's called you to get that degree. Is your value come from a degree? Or you, you say, are you preaching against going to college? No, I'm preaching against being a victim because you didn't go to college. Help me, Jesus. I'm not waiting in lines anymore. I refuse to hide behind helplessness. Why? Why? Let me tell you why. Because my Bible says God is our refuge, our strength, our ever-present help. 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 God, help. God, I'm not going to run to the things that I've always run to to try to get what I want, to try to get my needs met, to try to get help. Jesus, you can help me. Psalm 121, verse 1, it says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. This isn't a race to the bottom, it's a race to the top. And I can't get myself there, but the grace of God can take me there. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I don't know how you're getting your help today, but if it's not from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, you're getting it from the wrong place. You're using your disadvantage to an advantage. And God won't even speak to it. He won't be mad at you for it. All he'll do is say, get up. Get up. Nobody helping you. Get up. I can't preach the rest of my sermon. That's only one point. Get up. You've been wounded. You've been hurt. And the reality of your pain 
is not something that I'm trying to belittle today. What your husband did to you, he shouldn't have done that. What your wife did to you, the honor your kids have shown you, they should have been better than that. The way your dad raised you, it wasn't right. The way your mother stood by silent, she should have said something. I'm not denying your pain. I'm not belittling your pain. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we don't live in a sick and racist and disgusting situation. had a young man come up to me and he didn't even know what he was saying, but he said one of the most racist things to me. And I just looked at him and there's no way he could have even understood, Pastor, what he was saying. And I said, why did you say that? He said, I don't know, it's what my grandpa always says. I'm not telling you that that, that the injustice is not real. I'm not belittling any hashtag me too's. Because they were real and they were wrong. But I don't live by a book of excuses. I have a book of promises. So I'm not belittling your pain today. Jesus didn't belittle the man who was laying on that mat. He simply offered him. He offered him freedom. He offered him a different way. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my God, my strength, my refuge, in whom I place my trust. We've put our trust in the wrong place. And the only thing left to protect us is the fact that we're victims. sit in a room full of pain. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? What an opportunity that we have. Can y'all come put those on the steps? Randy, can I have one of those? I made these up. They're just really not anything. I don't know what God's spoken today. I'm going to keep talking about this next week, so if you don't want to come, you don't have to. No, I hope you do come. Because God loves you. We love you. Let me tell you something. I have played the victim just like you have. And and y'all, there's no side that it doesn't come from. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I played the victim for not playing the victim. Your flesh is crazy. It wants to keep you on the battlefield wounded trying to allow that to protect you and that to be your guard. All the meanwhile, God is sitting with his wings outstretched, saying, would you take shelter in me? Would you take refuge in me? Because your destiny depends on it. Your purpose depends on it. Your future depends on it. What area of your life have you used your disadvantage to your advantage? 
What area of your life have you used the injustices done to you to try to get your way and manipulate people to give you what you want? Because those are the indicators that we've made ourselves victims when God says we can choose victory. So today we're just going to do something simple because I don't know what God's spoken into your life. I just want you to smell his breath. Care if you heard a word that I said, the Holy Spirit can speak something to you. Change your life forever. Don't you love church? I really do. This is hello, my name is, and I'm going to write Colby in my third grade handwriting. See, I've played the victim to not being educated for a long time. Really have. Even went out and got me a couple of Bible degrees. And I don't think it was wrong. Sometimes I think my motivation was wrong. Hello, my name is Colby. And it says, and I am not a victim. Psalm 91. I'm going to put mine somewhere. I'm not going to wear it on my shirt. Because that's weird. You go to lunch. (laughs) You put yours on your shirt if you want to. I don't care if you put it on your forehead. Every time you look at yourself in the mirror, you'll be like, I'm just going to keep it somewhere. I don't know where I'm going to put it. Maybe on my computer, on a mirror or something in my vehicle. Because the shadow of the Almighty is available to me. It's available to me. His shadow. I can trust Him. And He's worthy to be trusted. And so today, as, as I talked about taking an arrow out, I just want you to consider, just ask the Holy Spirit, Where have I been guarding myself, protecting myself by making myself a victim? And say, would you give me the grace? And I'm going to talk about this more next week. Would you give me the grace to trust in you? Trusting God is such a powerful thing. I know that I have a long ways to go, and I know there's a lot of areas in my life, but I have been shocked at the lack of trust that a preacher had for God. It's easy to preach about trust. It's a whole other thing to trust him in the heat of the moment. 